Coming up on Podcast 1549, GM could enter the European market with the lyric coming first. That'll excite me. Stick around, I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, we look at BMW closing down the i3 factory and reopening it to make batteries. The future Audi A3 goes electric and the Toyota Panasonic battery joint venture buying lithium from Nevada. Those stories and a lot more coming up on today's podcast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, maybe good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily. We are your trusted source of EV information for Monday, 1st of August. Uh, my name is Martin Lee. You know what my job is? My job is to go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with news about the San Diego EV school bus trial, sending electricity back into the grid. Uh, The San Diego Gas and Electric Company, SDG&E, the Cajon Valley Union School District, and Nuve, who we've featured on this podcast before. We've had uh, Mark Trahan from Nuve come on and talk about vehicle to grid and vehicle to home and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Kicking off their vehicle to grid trial, they've got eight electric school buses on tap. And so what do you do with them? Well, stabilise the grid and charge them when the grid is at its greenest and cheapest. SDG&E installed six bi-directional DC fast chargers at the Union Bus Yard. Uh, They are 60 kilowatt, by the way. 60 kilowatt DC bi-directional chargers. I didn't know you could pull... Maybe they're just to, to, to charge that quickly. I don't know what the the pull amount is in terms of sending electricity back to the grid, so I definitely want to find that out. I'm pretty sure it's not 60 kilowatts to uh, to pull from the battery. Oh, hey, maybe it is. Maybe the batteries are that robust. I'd love that. And when those vehicles are packed with large batteries, it presents an enormous energy storage opportunity, says Clean Technica. Electric fleets represent a vast energy storage resource and have immense, immense potential to benefit our customers. SDG&E's new energy load reduction program pays businesses $2 a kilowatt hour if they can export power to the grid when there's a grid emergency, which is a really, really high rate. That's how desperate they are to get juice back into the grid. So two bucks a kilowatt hour. Uh, You could make some serious money on that if you can export back enough and do it often enough. I'm not sure how long these grid emergencies last and, and how often they happen. Really, really good news. And the thing about electric school buses, which kind of makes me so excited about them, is the routes are known, the usage is known, so you could probably day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month almost exactly predict how many kilowatt hours you need, add a bit on for buffer or extra or weather to run the AC or heat it for the kids. Also, uh, I'm reminded of so much research that I've read about uh, pollution entering vehicles because obviously you know when you are following a stinky diesel and you see that exhaust pipe and all the pollutants are coming out the back of it and maybe even they're coming in your car uh, and you think oh thanks mate that just stinks there's a huge amount that re-enters the vehicle that it's coming out of and people think oh it's coming out of the exhaust pipe that's behind me i'm shooting down the road Uh, you know you suckers behind me get the smell but a huge amount re-enters the vehicle and so the amount of pollutants that we are putting into school buses and then ferrying our children to school whilst also killing them is ridiculous. So electric school buses make sense on so many levels, but also this, because they know when they're going to be in the yard, they know when they need to be charged by, and literally the algorithm can work all of this out. And there are tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of yellow school buses all over the US, all over the world, actually. And 
if we can electrify those, they can provide so much grid support when it's needed and then recharge overnight. This is awesome. Come on, let's make it bigger than a trial. Now, let's go to China. Remember when... Remember when, a little while ago, I told you that Europe and China were kind of head-to-head in terms of EV sales, and then uh, Europe was a little bit bigger in 2020? Well, it's completely swung now the other way. 59% of all global EV sales in the first half of the year went to China. Let's work out how. The world sold 4.24 million EVs in the first half of the year, China contributing 2.51 million 59%, up from 41% in 2020, uh, when Europe and China back then were pretty much neck and neck. China's lead in the global EV sales is due to a smooth supply and the domestic supply, strong demand domestically, and domestic producers looking after their own. So Tesla export big time from Shanghai, but the others don't really. I mean, BYD do a bit of export, and there's a little bit going on in Europe. But look, really... Chinese car makers are making cars for the Chinese, and they're making them in so uh, decent numbers uh, that China is now almost like 60% of global EV sales in the first half of the year, driven by higher oil prices, electricity prices remaining low, and uh, Chinese buyers uh, wanting to get those vehicles. BMW next in the news, opening a second battery module line in Leipzig, the BMW i3. Squish, squish is no more. At the BMW plant in Leipzig, a second production line for battery modules has now started series production. These are going to go inside the i4. Uh, That's being actually built at the Munich plant, but they're using the Leipzig plant to make the batteries. In case you're wondering, I wonder where those BMW batteries come from. Uh, Well, the first line opened in May 2021, wasn't it? Supplying battery modules for the iX. Uh, the second battery assembly line now built in the same place where the old i3 was was made. So the i3 came to the end of its life, about a month or so of retooling, and now the batteries are coming off that same line. The components pass through 196 stations before they head off to Munich to be installed into BMW i4s and iXs, and soon the Mini Countryman as well, and the BMW iX1 uh, is coming. I wonder if that will have the batteries from Leipzig as well. I think so. I'd say like 80% chance. Now, let's talk about the new Tesla software that is changing the range predictions. Uh, Green the Only, who is the uh, the hacker on Twitter, who digs into software, says, Wow, uh, 2022.20.7 seems to go into insane details to improve range predictions. Even tyre pressure is taken into account, amongst many other variables. Also takes into account energy loss due to phone charging. 12-volt accessories, air density, and battery heating and cooling. Well, Tesla Arty point out that Tesla's rolled out a number of improvements for its range prediction features in the past last May, allowing the vehicles to update their nav prediction feature with crosswinds, headwinds, humidity, and ambient temperature data. And when people say to me, why do you think Tesla have the best software? Apart from the fact that I think it looks great, that I think it's intuitive, and yes, they've had some missteps in the last 12 months uh, with that visual update that did kind of tank some of the usability because just changing things like you know climate and seats became way more of a faff than it should have been i believe tesla listened to the feedback from the community but stuff like this because even if the other car makers are doing it they're not getting credit for it but i I don't believe any of the other car makers are doing these regular weekly updates where they start to take into account charging your mobile phone. Okay, they probably think, well, it's going to be such a small draw, but fine. But add in charging your phone, add in the 12-volt accessories, add in Tesla working out air density, headwind, crosswinds, humidity, what the heating and cooling is doing, and you start to get a really accurate picture for the range prediction. 
anyone else doing it to that level of detail, which is why I always say Tesla have the best EV software out there. And I know that others are catching up and there's some really, really good examples. Uh, you know, for instance, I use Apple CarPlay all of the time. And that is a that that's a bit of a deal breaker because I just love it. And I use it for and I also I use the Amazon devices in my home. And I would absolutely love to have that native integration in my car that I could be driving along and I could say, hey, a word. I won't say it before I set your devices. Hey, a word. Add, you know, pizza to my shopping list, you know, or, or I say to my phone, you know, like, hey, you know, telephone. Won't say her name. Text my wife. I'm five minutes away, and it, and it just it works, right? I love Apple CarPlay, and I like those integrations into my into my cars. And that's what Tesla can't do as natively, but they just smash it out of the park. So many other ways. Now let's talk about the future Audi A3 lineup. Man, the A3 is such a such an important car for Audi. Important segment. Important name has been since the mid 1990s. Set to become an electric only model, and a range of 400 miles plus with the choice of rear-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. The decision means the A3 uh, ditches diesel, ditches petrol, ditches plug-in hybrids, uh, and it'll go up against cars like the VW ID3. If you're cross-shopping to the ID3, I guess from the same family, Volkswagen Group. Audi rejected the proposal to develop a new entry-level electric model on the existing platform, the MEB platform. That's what you see, the Audi Q4 e-tron, the Skoda ENIAC, etc., etc., they don't want to use that. They want to wait a little bit, and they want to use the new platform coming out of VW. That means they can make cars like uh, an RS3 e-tron, which would be, you know, less than four seconds, 0 to 60. And to do that, you don't use the MEB platform. You wait for the new one, which is coming only a couple of years away, Uh, the new SSP architecture. So you get a lower floor height, so you can be much more flexible in terms of the, the vehicle design, more modularity, 800 volts, standardized cell across all the VW Group cars. Uh, They are going to the prismatic cells, I believe, from Chinese suppliers. Six gigafactories being built in Europe to supply them. And it's going to offer way faster charge speeds as well. So, yes, we'd like an electric Audi A3 on the market today, right now. Yes, please. I love that car. But wait a couple of years and you get access to a new platform from VW. So it's a lot of jam tomorrow from another legacy uh, OEM. I know, not great news, but... 270 kilowatt plus charge speeds you're talking 10 minute stops you're talking the a3 incredibly popular car and on that new platform from vw uh, you can have shorter overhangs shorter bonnet bigger cabin nice big wheelhouse uh, fantastic we love that just unfortunately it's a bit more waiting but we're used to that uh, the last four years i've been doing this podcast i'm Delighted to have great cars to talk about, but also still used to waiting. Right, coming up on the podcast soon, Toyota and Panasonic's Nevada lithium mining and GM could be coming to the European market. Headline story, bringing the lyric here. Ooh, (laughs) you got me interested now, GM. Stick around, those stories are on the way. Now let's talk about how electric vehicles get the blame for so much. I bet you never thought this one was going to happen, though. Electric vehicles have been blamed for the death of AM radio. Some manufacturers eliminate AM altogether because of the electrical systems in t- inside the car, the motors, etc. Don't play nicely with AM and interference. BMW, uh, back in 2009, were having AM issues with the i3. Uh, Tesla have dumped AM back four years ago. Uh, this article from globalnews.ca 
I love the Canadians, but they've got this one wrong. They say if you want to listen to your local hockey game, you're not in luck if you're driving an electric vehicle. Uh, Tesla leans away from over-the-air broadcasting. The Porsche Taycan got rid of AM radio. Audi's e-trons got rid of AM. Mercedes-Benz got rid of AM radio. Volvo's XC40, too much interference. AM radio is dead. Um, Yeah, you can't blame electric vehicles for the death of AM radio. And I say that as someone absolutely qualified to comment on this subject, because from the age of 16 to 42, my full-time career was working in terrestrial broadcast radio as a presenter and a manager and a head of music at those radio stations. I was at a national uh, network. I was a manager at a national network. It used to be called the old Virgin Radio here in the UK. We changed it to Absolute Radio. Uh, it used to be on the old 1215 frequency and the whole point of, of, of the time that I was there was moving away from AM radio. And this was before I launched this podcast uh, as, uh, you know, it kind of overlapped. It was a hobby when I was there, but it definitely wasn't as full time as it is now. Um, you know, before I left my radio career. And even then, right, rewind five plus years ago, we're talking about how quickly do you switch off all the AM transmitters? Because we don't transmit on AM radio anymore because it's terrible. Now, I understand exceptions. If you are in the middle of deep, deep American country somewhere where there's very little cell reception and you haven't got Starlink and you haven't got satellite radio, I understand how AM radio can be a lifeline. But come on, you can't blame EVs for the death of AM radio because (laughs) we were like, that wasn't even like we skipped FM and we're going straight to digital radio and streaming and, 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 and using streaming as a way of, of, you know, turning one radio station into like 20 offshoots because you can stream unlimited amounts. So my goodness me, EVs get the blame for a lot of stuff, but the death of AM radio, I'm sorry, globalnews.ca. You can't pin that one on EVs. Now, Toyota and Panasonic's joint battery venture, lithium mining in Nevada, Ion Air, or Ion Air is the company. I haven't heard of them, but uh, I, this is not a mining podcast. A project in Nevada to build EV batteries in the United States. No coincidence, this announcement coming out after uh, news of the new incentives package, which will mean that you get your federal tax credit or possibly rebate. We're still trying to work out what word to use around this if it gets signed into law by Biden. But the battery has to have US sourced materials. And the deal announced yesterday is the second in less than a month. Iron Air supplying 4,000 tons of lithium carbonate annually for five years to the joint venture of Toyota and Panasonic. And also they want to compete with companies like CATL and and the Korean companies, for instance, uh, the amount of lithium provided. It's hard to say. About 150,000 EVs every single year. It depends on the battery size, of course, and variables. Uh, Iron Air is making 21,000 tonnes of lithium in Nevada from 2025. They'll be supplying Ford as well. We heard that deal uh, in July. And uh, last year we had the deal with EcoPro, a South Korean company. So... Yeah, I can imagine more mining, more sourcing of raw materials in the US to make a, take advantage of those federal tax credits slash rebates from the 1st of January next year. Now, GM is limiting warranty transfers to try and stop people flipping Hummers. In a letter obtained by Corvette blogger uh, Steve Carlyle, who is GM's president for North America, telling a dealership team that the company is limiting the transferability of warranties if the vehicle is being resold within 12 months. Uh, GM wants to limit the amount of people uh, getting a Hummer and then sticking them online for, we saw one, 
$300,000. I'm not sure anyone actually bought it, but still. Uh, and to stop people just ruining the EV experience by just being professional flippers. I said flippers. Careful. And they are flippers, if you ask me, because there's people that want those vehicles and don't want to have to wait in line and will pay over the odds. And you could say, oh, yes, Martin, that's what capitalism is called, you big socialist. No, I'm not being like that. I'm just saying that, you know, I love electric vehicles and I wish that, every, you know, they're making like four Hummers a year at the minute. And I just wish that every one of those would go to somebody who loves driving that vehicle, not who treats it as a business to flip and make a few quid. But anyway, there you go. Spokesperson telling the publication from GM, the company's output will increase sharply in the second half of this year. But there's 70,000 reservations of the vehicle, uh, many people running out of patience and choosing something else apart from the Hummer. Now let's talk about electric dirt bikes. I used to have a dirt bike when I was growing up. I started off with a three-wheeler and then my dad got me onto dirt bikes. How old was I? Eight, nine, ten, eleven? I need to look at some old photos and ask dad how old I was. And um, uh, KTM make the sport mini cycles they're making electric versions the sxe3 the ee3 and the mce3 means so much to so many people who want to get onto two wheels and do some sport as a kid and now they want to make 20 electric off-road motorcycles amongst all of their brands they say over the coming years the lineup is aimed at young talents taking the future of motorsport to the next level yeah because mine ran on um you know on petrol and you know you got little kickstart on it as well i, I was kind of young um, and it's really interesting that I loved it. It taught me a lot about respecting speed uh, and learning to ride on dirt and jumps. And it and, and it certainly made me a better young man. Uh, I came off. I had one one big off uh, over a jump where the front forks broke. Uh, that hurt when I landed. I went under a car once as well. <laughs> it was a trip to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Throttle got stuck open. It was Dad's car as well. Uh, what was that? A Ford Granada, if you remember those. Uh, and anyway, I didn't. I didn't hurt the car, just my foot. And um, you know, it taught me a lot. Uh, but now I'm a dad myself. My little, my little lad is a toddler, uh, and he says, "Dad, I want a bike." I've just turned the tables. I don't know if I'd if I'd say yes. What a hypocrite I am! Um, I'd probably say yes. My wife would say no. But how cool would that be? He's got a little... My, I have got him an electric three-wheeler, and he's got a little electric uh, car as well that he loves, obviously. Right. Headline story, General Motors returning to Europe with a range of EVs, gearing up for return to the European market, uh, with possibly the Lyric coming first. The American giant withdrawing from Europe and the UK after selling Opel and Vauxhall to PSA five years ago, and uh, there's a limited import operation for the uh, Chevrolet Corvette. But GM's Europe boss, they do have one, Mahmoud Samara, saying that we've feel confident will be a substantial player. Of course, they'll be all electric by 2035, and so they're looking at where they can sell their cars. The Ultium platform will provide the underpinnings to cars like the Lyric. They could sell the Lyric here first, the Hummer as well. Uh, not necessarily in the UK, in right-hand drive, but in the European market. They want to go up against cars like the Audi e-tron, and they could do that with the Lyric. And I think, you know, because Cadillac's going to return to endurance racing with the LMDH category next year, uh, Le Mans next year. And so if they're performing in those series, they've got a great platform and a base and a profile uh, to start selling cars under different badges back in Europe. I'd love that. Yes, yes, bring the Lyric. 
over here. Yes, please. That's an amazing vehicle we can't get. And finally, last story, Apple hiring the Lamborghini executive to steer their EV program. The 20-year veteran of Lamborghini is heading to Apple, according to a Bloomberg report. Luigi Tarabolelli appears to have left Lamborghini in May, according to his LinkedIn profile. Uh, He's been there 21 years, but now he's moved to Apple. And they seem still committed to Project Titan, their electric car project, losing amazing people like Doug Field total legend who went to Ford. He was leading the project at Apple. Uh, went to Ford about a year ago, September 21, he went, um, which gave me confidence in Ford because they're hiring, like, Doug's the best of the best. Um, but, um, yeah, interesting uh, that Apple seems still committed to some sort of car thing project we don't know Uh, come on apple do something and that's your podcast for today thank you so much for listening question of the week taking a wee break for a while uh but it'll return Uh, thank you to our premium partners of the podcast it's the first of the month so all of our patrons are getting billed thank you so much every single patron our premium partners phil roberts of electric future brad crosby porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley from the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Juice, uh, making public charging simple. Seen some people talking about they're using their EJ card uh, in Europe as well and having great experiences. One card, one map and one app. And milbrookcottages.co.uk. Book your holiday between now and the end of the year. And they're gorgeous, five-star luxury cottages in Devon. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there's no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. <laughs>